Welcome to the Wedding Sassholes. Your no BS wedding business podcast. We're here to real talk you through the common F-ups we see companies making. And the practical strategies you can implement today. This month's topic is wedding shows and showcases. And in this episode, you will learn how to make the most out of exhibiting. And the steps to guarantee success at giant expos and shows. We're your hosts. I'm Shannon Tarrant. I'm Vanessa Negron. And welcome to The Shit Show. Episode 6 of The Wedding Sassholes. This episode (laughs) is for you if you are already participating in, exhibiting at giant wedding expos, and you're not booking enough business from it. Or if you've already thought about doing one of these big expos, but you are concerned about getting the return out of it, getting enough return or leads and things like that. So it's for for you. It's for both. You're already doing them or you're not sure if you want to jump in the wedding expo pond. And so I think one of the important things when it comes to this is the terminology. When we say wedding expo, bridal show, I want you to think big, not like small, intimate. It's very focused on tons of booths, tons of people you know, your traditional kind of 10 by 10, 10 by 10 booth setup and layout. So when we talk about expos, that's what we're talking about. Like convention style, yeah. Con- not convention style, convention center style. Yes. And so, <laughs> I speak English, I swear. <laughs> sometimes they do those at <laughs> hotels and stuff too. And it may yeah. not be huge with 10,000, but, um, you know, thinking more bigger, big, think big, giant. Big, big ballrooms, big production. They have the stage where they do the um, fashion shows. Yes, the fashion shows, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Think that. So my biggest piece of importance with anything you do when it comes to marketing is goals and outcomes. So I think that if you are participating in wedding shows, the number one thing to do before you sign that contract and you make the commitment and you pay for the booth is to set clear goals for what you want to get out of that show. Mm -hmm. If you don't set the goals, you're just throwing money. You're you're throwing money and you're praying. Yeah, because there's nothing to measure. There's nothing Mm -hmm. to measure. There's no numbers, you know, there's no numbers to look at. There's no, there's nothing to look back and say that did what I wanted it to do. Mm -hmm. What kind of goals do you think people should set when it comes to a show? Um, Especially for returns, you need to set a goal for leads Mm -hmm. and bookings. Sometimes people book you right on the spot. You can have a booking incentive at your booth. And also for me, I would set a goal for vendor relations. Let's Let's walk around the expo floor and find two or three vendors that I've never met before and start building a relationship with them. That would be a goal of mine to meet new people too. I think going back to where you said leads and bookings, I think that leads come in a few different ways. And we'll talk about this. Obviously, at most shows, you tend to get a lead list from the show producer of everybody who was there or bought a ticket versus the leads you collect in your actual booth. And so I would focus more on making a set goal of how many leads you want to get in your booth. I think it's really hard to book appointments. So I don't suggest that being a goal. And I do think having a revenue goal, you know, your profit margins and your percentages, how much total revenue and total number of events do you want to book? And we can talk about how to track that towards the end of the episode. 
um, and go through. Mm-hmm. So Vanessa, you brought up building better relationships. What are some of the ways that people can, when they're participating in a show, utilize a wedding show for more of a networking? I think that for a networking standpoint, they're obviously there to push their products. But if you show up early, set your booth up on a timely manner, you have time to go and catch all your vendors before all of the potential clients start walking in and walking the expo floor. So you can catch them at the beginning of the day when they're fresh, they're not tired. Uh, You can talk to them about their products. You can introduce yourself if you have snacks. Snacks are always good. Oh, yeah. You you gave away my (laughs) secret. That's my secret. Um, but don't wait until the end of the expo when everyone's tired and they're just trying to clean up and go home. Yeah. And don't go in the middle of the expo when everyone's trying to talk to clients and they don't have the time to talk to you. So try to catch the beginning of the day. Nothing is worse than that. So I'm with you. Yeah. I I think sometimes at the giant expos, a lot of times they'll give you an opportunity to set up the day before, which might not always work based on your event schedule. But if you have the availability, I always suggest setting up the day before. It gives you a chance to take a little bit of a breath, but you should still come early. We get there when they were allowed to set up starting at eight. We get there at eight and we set our booth. Our booth only takes about 45 minutes, but that gives me from nine to 11 to take the opportunity to network and meet new vendors I've never heard of or... Um, you know, help them if they've never done a show before. And I've done 9 million shows, being able to help guide them and make those suggestions. And then Vanessa gave away my favorite tip, but I, (laughs) um, you know, we do set up on the front side and usually in the morning, a lot of times people have had maybe breakfast and coffee, but I do like to actually walk around the booth late towards the end of the day in the afternoon, but we bring snacks. So my team, it's a running joke. I have this giant snack bag, sweet snacks and salty snacks and mints and all kinds of things like that. And towards the end of the day, everybody's hungry. We're all tired. We haven't had time to stop and eat lunch. And so we just walk around with snacks and just offer snacks. And if people are busy talking to people, we don't bother them, but you know, we'll kind of circle back around a few times to make sure everybody's got snacks. So if you're an introvert, snacks are a great way for you to build relationships. So I don't, I don't bring snacks because we are a cake company. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the expo, I always have, because I always bring too much because I'm afraid to run out. Mm -hmm. I always have extra cake samples. So that's my introvert self walking around saying, hey, would you like a little sweet treat at the end of the day? And that's how I meet them. But it's also how I get them to taste my products. Yes. So that's my little trick is I bring extra samples, give it to the vendors. It starts a conversation, but it also gets product in hand. So then they can give a review to any potential clients. Yeah. So, and that works nice. good for cake and nice. catering. Maybe bar, yeah. bar you can give <laughs> us all cocktails. Um, Make friends with the people with food. <laughs> yes. Okay. So later this month, we're really going to kind of dive into booths, a whole entire episode specific yes. about your booth, things yes. to have in it, do's, don'ts, all of that. But... We do want to talk about, and success at a giant expo a lot of times comes down to your lead capture form. Mm-hmm. When And we we don't see the same on this We do this not one. agree, and it's okay. We're <laughs> going to pro and con the different options. So when you people are coming to your booth or walking past your booth and you start, you start having really good quality conversations, a huge fail I see is that people don't actually capture those people's information. They're like, take my card, email me, let's set up a time or whatever. And they don't have any way when they get this giant lead list to have any idea who the people are that they talk to and the ones that they don't. So there's a few different 
different ways you can do a lead form. I'm going to let Vanessa go first and then I'll tell you why I don't like her idea. It's okay because I don't like Shannon's idea, but this is why we're friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the digital version. So my CRM can actually create lead forms that I can put on my iPad, multiple iPads, so that when they fill out the form or I fill it out, like I ask them the questions and just get basic contact information, it'll directly connect to my CRM and create a file. I'm not saying that it has to be on the internet, which is why Shannon doesn't like it, but <laughs> you, there's also different apps that you can download on your phone or on different tablets that are lead capture forms that you can then revisit later and they don't have to have the internet. They just capture it and store it so that you don't have to physically write it, but it automatically puts them digitally in either your email later or it uploads it to a cloud. So you always have those. I think it's very important to capture leads directly at your booth. Because those are the people that are directly talking to you. You've already started a relationship with them. And it's someone who's interested in you directly instead of just going to that big form at the end of the event and checking off all the people. It's people that are already interested. So continue that conversation later. The other important thing is, as somebody who has been doing shows for freaking forever, a lot of times the email address that they register with to buy the ticket at the show is not the email address they give you in the booth. They are two different. That email address they give the show is maybe mom or sister or cousin bought tickets and they put an email address in or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they put in a generic junk catch-all email address and that isn't the email address they're actually using to plan. So if you don't capture right. leads in your booth, whether you do it digitally or the old school way. So here's the thing. I'm down for the digital idea. I was really excited by it. I was all for it. For years, we had sheets of paper and everybody filled out information and whatever. And it was a bitch afterwards. You had to type it all up, try to read their handwriting, go through everything. It was a nightmare. The problem that I have had and experienced when it comes to digital, when it is not, and in your market, it might be totally different because some shows have like scan the badge and all their infos in there, kind of like really big corporate trade shows. But Mm -hmm. if they don't have that, um, I have seen the Wi-Fi go down. If you need Wi-Fi to capture or make sure that that information is submitted, I've seen people have people filling them out all day long on an iPad and then they go in and they're gone. And that list isn't there anymore. Um, I've seen them use internet or bring a hotspot and our convention center, those hotspots, they don't work very well because you're in a cement metal box yeah you know and so I think that I think I've just seen digital fail so many times that I'm an old school pen and paper people so I am I have people fill out paper um the way I would do it is I would have individual sheets we did it. it was really cool the venue I worked at we had it was like a long skinny you know think like third of an eight and a half by 11 it was long skinny and the end was actually perforated and it was kind of like an enter to win ticket and that ticket had our contact info a QR code on it um, and we were allowed to capture the information we needed budget ideal date things like that so it was a little bit more than just name phone number whatever is it okay to text you we got permission to text um, the only thing with paper you really have to make sure is before they walk away you make sure you can read the email address because a lot of times they fill out that email address in a way that can't read the handwriting I really only need your email address and your phone I'll figure out your name that's fine (laughs) close when we get the big show list if I'm not sure sometimes I could compare it and find it but 
I'm an old school paper girl. I know it means that then we had to type it up. But the other thing about paper that I loved was as they would fill it out and go to walk away on the back of the paper of the slips, we would write notes like which of our spaces did they like the best? How can I remember exactly who this person was based upon our conversation? And that's a little bit mm-hmm. harder to do when they're just filling out a digital form. That's why I'm a paper yeah, girl. You could like if you had a specific conversation about a specific package, you could put that on there. Or if you connected on where are you guys getting married? Oh, I actually got married there too. You can put it on there and then that helps you personalize the yeah. message that you're gonna send them after the follow-up message afterwards. Yeah, just to me was always the tech gets I'm listen, guys, I'm the techiest. I love every app, every shortcut. I love all of those. <laughs> She's things. more tech than I am. I am, but I think <laughs> that, you know, when we would have a show that had a thousand couples there plus all their friends and family. Our booth had seven people working in the booth. We didn't have enough iPads, laptops, phones. Like it just was easier for me to do paper. So a lead capture form is key. Whether you do it digital or on paper, it's fine. But have a lead capture form in your booth. And and make sure that you follow up. So please have a follow-up plan. Yeah, please. Yeah. All right. We'll dig into that in a minute. We'll dig into that in a minute. We will. Okay. We will. <laughs> so the other thing I really think that when people fail when it comes to wedding shows is they forget what stage the client is at in terms of what they are booking. So as someone who is a venue search engine, when we are at a show, our show, depending upon which time of year, about 30 to 40% of the attendees do not yet have a venue. And so when the photographer or the cake company or the DJ is really pushing them to book an appointment or come in for a tasting or whatever, and they're like, I haven't even picked the venue yet. It's very easy. Mm -hmm. They don't even want to fill out that lead capture because they're not really a lead yet. So I'm a big... Yeah, it will. And it's hard for us to follow up with them if we don't have a date or a venue to check. We can give you base pricing, but if I don't have a date, I don't know if it's 2023, 2024, because you don't have a location yet. So it's hard to start that conversation. It's the way that I've done it in the past is I will send an email follow-up just saying congratulations. And then, Hey, here's how you can get started yeah. and send them a link to, you know, different venues or the wedding venue map because I yeah. am a member and I love it. Um, but then I also have one that will link to Pinterest and tell them, Hey, this is how you can start planning the planning process. Yes. But that's assuming so that's really important. That's too. assuming at a show they're even going to stop and talk to you because what we're finding yeah. data wise in terms of talking to the couples that don't have a venue yet, they get so overwhelmed by so many vendors talking to them and asking them, what's your date? What's your venue? What's your date? What's your venue? That they stop talking to vendors and only talk to the venue. So my secret to success for vendors who are maybe a little bit further down is a giveaway. I think that mm. when you have a giveaway in your booth. And I'm a huge proponent of that giveaway, driving them to follow that giveaway being on your Instagram account. I think that when people are very top of funnel, like they're not ready yet for what you need, how do you get them? You're going to get their email from the big list. That's fine. But everybody likes to win free shit. They just love it. And especially if it's, you know, so what we do is we have a big sign in our booth that says, enter to win a free blank, whatever it is. It's like a 24 by 36 poster board. We print them at Walgreens and it's got a QR code that goes directly to our Instagram. The first post on our Instagram, you can head over to Wedding Venue Maps Instagram. We do Instagram giveaways like 
once a month almost. You can head over there and see, but that very first post when we're at a show is the Instagram giveaway. They have to follow our account, like the post, and for every friend they tag, they get entered to win. Ultimately, this just gets them into our funnel because Mm -hmm. we've learned that if they're not ready for what we've got yet, at the end of the day, now they start following us and interacting and engaging in our content. So do you have it just as a QR code at the booth or do you also have um, like a fill out form? Do you have a paper form for that or just We don't Instagram? do a paper tor- form. We honestly just drive it straight to Instagram because I, when we did a paper form for a giveaway in the booth, when I used to work at a venue, which was a hotel, we'd give away a one night stay. We got so much crap. So many people <laughs> entered to win a one night stay that because it was a one night stay. So I think when you can do something a little bit more specific, Like if you were going to give away a free wedding cake or a free celebration cake or something like that, somebody wouldn't enter it if, unless they still need a wedding cake, if they've already booked that and contracted it, rarely are you going to get entries that aren't potential clients down the the road. Mm -hmm. So I stopped doing in booth and really in booth, we promote it and say, and have a, and we do a huge sign on an easel at the edge of the booth. So if someone doesn't okay. want to come in and talk to me, they don't have to. They can just scan that and it says, you know, look for the giveaway post on Instagram and all the instructions on how to enter are there. Nice. It's been really Makes successful for us and allows people to continue to follow the company. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. All right. I like it. All right. So when you are there and people are walking around, how do you get them to stop? Make make it a wow factor. Make your booth a wow factor, yes. let me specify. Make it very enticing for them to come in, something that they don't want to pass by or like, what is this? I have to know more about that. But we're we're gonna also go further into that in the in the next episode. We are, but so that's an important like if you want to talk very, tips for yeah. success, the booth is a huge part of the, the booth success. is a huge part. Please don't just show up with just a tablecloth and a couple of pamphlets. Please don't do oh that. Oh my god, they do it all the time. <laughs> Oh God, we'll talk about that. Episode eight, (laughs) just circle back around in a few weeks. We're going to talk about the and and Come back and listen to it, but please don't make it boring. Make it something spectacular. (laughs) Mm, I love that. I love that. So when you are investing in the booth already and you're already going to be at the show, I think one of the things people forget a lot is the opportunity sometimes that show producers will provide to sponsor things. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one. Yeah, because you're already going to be there. So if you're going to be there and you're going to have a booth, why not shove your name everywhere you possibly can when it comes to being at the show? Ask the producers, is there anything else that you guys need? Is there anything that I can sponsor? Get your name in as many places as you can. If you're sponsoring, it's not only going to be in the area that you're sponsoring. It's going to be on their social medias. It's going to be on any of their promo stuff. I mean, get it out there. So then when people see it constantly and around the room and then they finally come to your booth, they're like, oh. I just saw your name everywhere. Like it's it's already a brand recognition kind of thing. Yeah. So try to sponsor. I mean, no matter what you are, try to sponsor some aspect of the show. And I think too, show producers are really on the hunt for unique experiences for those attending shows. So if you can think of a way to tie what you do into something that might feel like a little bit more of an experience, like, yes, it's great to sponsor the flowers on the stage or the dresses or something like that. I think that's all amazing. But 
the show producers are looking for unique and creative ideas on ways to make the show more interactive. So think outside Mm -hmm. the box too. come up with some good ideas and pitch them. Like say, hey, have you ever thought about doing something like this before? A lot of times they reserve more space than they need and have the extra room to be able to maybe do some kind of way for you to showcase in that area. Agreed. Agreed. I think another thing to prepare for these big shows is make sure you have enough staff. Oh Please God. staff up. Oh, There's thousands of people. Please don't have one or two people at your booth when you're at a huge expo. Yeah. You're going to need more than that. I get that you're a solopreneur. I get that you are maybe just a team of two. I get it. But you know people. You either know, I have seen venues bring in some of their preferred vendors to help in the booths. I have seen planners bring in previous clients. Um, Our booth, it's like our running, obviously it's my team. Their January show here is out of control. It is thousands of people and we're in the lobby. So when I tell you we get our asses kicked for about 90 minutes straight as everybody's coming in, that's our like busiest window of time. So I can't only have two people to talk to people. So we bring, this sounds insane, but we almost have a team of 10 every single time at the January show. So I am the biggest talker and the most knowledge in my company. So I actually hide to the back of the booth. Like I stand the furthest in. The people with the least amount of knowledge are the furthest out. So we kind of filter people through before they get to Mm -hmm. me. So you've got to have bodies to be able to talk to people. Because if there's only two of you and you're talking to people, all of those other people who are looking and being like, oh, they're busy, I'll come back. They're not going to come back. No, but they're also not going to stand there and wait for your conversation to end. No, you get like two minutes maybe of that, unless your booth is amazing, which hopefully after episode eight, it will be. But (laughs) yeah, you've got to staff up. So I think reaching out to friends and family, like a lot of times, if you set it up in a way, we used to stick the interns out front. Um, They just need to know enough to be dangerous. You can do like a quick little training 30 minutes before the show doors open and have them listen to you a few times. I really like the idea of having a previous client that's like a big fan. They're already a fan of yours. Of course. So if anything, they might not be knowledgeable in like everything that you offer, but they can give a firsthand experience to the next client and say, oh, we booked them for our day. We absolutely loved working with them. Oh, you have to try this. This is what we had as our package. Mm-hmm. You know, this, that, the other. like they sell it for you. People go to Google and to Wedding Wire and to The Knot and all of these other places for reviews from strangers, why not have that stranger at your booth reviewing directly to them for you? A hundred percent. It's a good... I love that idea. Listen, you give them, I don't know, you give them an extra cake, or if you're at a hotel, give them an extra one night stay for coming out to help. Most of the time they want to share, you know which clients I'm talking about too, right? The ones that were like a little wedding crazy, and then all of a sudden their wedding's over, and they're like, no, what do I do now? Like... The ones that you built a connection with that you're like, I could be this person's friend or they still, they still are very interactive with you on social media. Yes, absolutely. Those people. Absolutely. Those people. Yeah, but you've got good ones. (laughs) Yeah, you have to have enough bodies there because otherwise, you know, you're missing that opportunity as people go by and I promise you they will just walk by and then you lost Mm -hmm. them forever. Yeah. Speaking of like social medias and people that stay in touch with you, even after their weddings, I think that's another big thing that you should do to make the best out of these big expos is promote that you're going to be there. Yes. Not just the day of and say, Hey, look, here's our setup. Do it beforehand. Do some, 
some legwork and push it beforehand to get more people involved and to get more people out to the event. Yeah, think about all the le- think about you. all the leads that have reached out to you and maybe you're in the follow-up cycle, the vicious follow-up cycle of you're poking them or trying to find a date to do a tasting or do a meeting or do an appointment and you've been busy and they've been busy. It's a great opportunity to say, hey, come on out. A lot of the show producers also provide discounted tickets for people with booths. So you can send them the coupon code and so invite, I think you should invite all your booked clients because they're going to walk around. And if anybody else asks them, who did they book for stuff? Duh. They're going to say your name. I think any of your leads on there and then utilizing your social media platform to say, Hey, now I will say if show producers are listening, sometimes the stuff you guys send us to share looks like shit. And I don't want to put it in my Instagram feed. (laughs) It's so bad. Like it's so colored or busy or whatever. I think that looking at having us help promote, I think you can utilize stories on Instagram really well because it lives for Mm -hmm. 24 hours and you can kind of maybe pre-design and just post it a few times, you know, once a week leading up to, but put the ticket link in there or you can do a great post that says, you know, DM me for ticket information or show info. But I do think the show producers, if they could think through something that was a little bit more neutral or specific to each company, we'd all be a little bit more likely to put it out there. You can also, if you have the time and you want to put it forth the effort, you can also go onto Canva and do your own branded yeah. type of thing. If if you don't like what the show, unfortunately, yes, sometimes the show producers give us things that are like, that's hideous or that's most stupid. Most of the time, not um, sometimes, most of the I, time. I'm being, I'm being generous. I know. But you can easily go on Canva and do a branded one. Mm-hmm. You could even do your own post that has a previous photo from a previous show yep. to show your setup yeah, and then put the booth. information yeah, for the upcoming. So they can kind of see a little bit of like a sneak peek of what you normally bring Mm -hmm. or what you normally present and make your own post that way, but put the information for the show. Yeah. If your booth is experiential, what can they expect? If you're doing, if you do food, Mm -hmm. what are you serving? What flavors are going to be there? Like tease them and test them to get there. And then I think you promote it beforehand, which is great. I think on the day, there's still a lot of people who... Obviously, you have your giveaway. I already talked about it. But if you're doing your Instagram giveaway, but I think on the day, like Vanessa said, taking a picture of you in your booth, posting it on your stories. I think if you've got some great vendor or venue partners that refer you there, go take pictures of them in their booths, tagging them. And making sure you're pumping and promoting and tag the show. It's amazing how much the show producers on event day will just share what they've been tagged in. So will, so will the other vendors. So, the so other that's vendors. the good part about doing that is yes. the other vendors will also share. And then if they have a potential client that's coming to the show and see your post on someone else's mm-hmm. feed, they're going to say, oh, so our vendor, our DJ, we'll just say like yeah. the DJ. The DJ just posted about this cake company that's also Let there. I've out. never seen them before. Let me check them out. They obviously are friends. And you'd be surprised. Clients really enjoy hiring frienders. Yes. So they know that you have a good relationship with one of their other vendors Mm -hmm. and that you work really well together. They're more likely to hire that person because they know that their day is going to go smooth because you already have a good working and personal relationship with that person. Yeah. But this goes back to what we said earlier, where you've got to be set up early enough to have the time to do this, to go around, grab your frienders, take pictures in their booth and that. And then my other secret tip about promoting that you are at the show is always making sure that specific day and every single person who was in your booth take even if you've already taken this picture in the past take a picture of you in 
your booth. And that should go into your follow-up email because they talk to so many different companies, so many different people that you want to be like, hey, like, it was great seeing you today, or I hope you got a chance to stop by our booth if you're going to the big list. But putting a picture of you guys in the booth, I think goes really far in terms of jogging their memory, being like, oh, mm-hmm. that was them. Yeah. Oh, that was that one catering company mm-hmm. that I couldn't remember, but I really liked their food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does, unfortunately, because they speak to so many vendors that are in the same categories. Mm-hmm unless they take notes or they really take that card and put it in a specific spot, they kind of start to blend together. And I hate saying that, but it's just the truth. Yeah. No matter what, how good your marketing materials are, it just goes into Mm -hmm. the big bag of fun. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you meet all these people and you get the leads in your booth and you get the big giant leads list, but now what the hell do you do with it? This is like the biggest fail. Follow up. Yeah. Follow up. Don't just let it die. Don't just put the ball in their court and say, I hope they throw it back. (laughs) No, they have the big bag of fun and it's full of everybody's crap of everything they've gotten. And they have filled out papers all throughout the room and given people names and email. I mean, if you listen to our wedding NBA episode, we literally talked about the fastest follow up is 78%, right? 78% of couples. 78%. So as a recap from our last episode about the wedding NBA, 78% of couples will book whoever responds first. So being your follow-up, make sure you are the first person to follow up with them. Do not go, my rule of thumb is do not go past the three-day mark. Yeah. On average, small businesses respond within 47 hours. So if you can if you can follow up within that time frame or beforehand, 24 hours, 36 hours, you have a leg up and you are the first one in their inbox and they're more likely to book with you. I think that we found great success as a venue that we would have one pre-written email. It was mm-hmm. 98%. We actually didn't edit it at all. And I know this is crazy because I was tired too, but I sent the emails that day. I would get home from the show, booth would be broken down. We'd go eat dinner, which would kind of energize me back up and I would sit home and I mean in your booth what are you capturing 200 maybe like that's probably pretty high of actual names you're capturing inside of the booth so it was copy paste send copy paste send copy I literally I didn't edit it I didn't whatever it had a picture of us in the booth it was so great I can't wait to schedule your tour I the email was very soft it was just like Hey there, I was so glad we got to meet today. I'm tired. You're probably tired. So I'll follow up again, you know, in a few days. I'm off tomorrow because we were off on Mondays. So I'm out of the Mm -hmm. office tomorrow, but I want you to know I can't wait to give you a tour and show you around the property. And it was just a generic email, but he sent it that day. And I used to convert so many tours. And I gave them the link because I had an automatic appointment booker. So I gave him the link to go book a tour. And I'd come back on Tuesday to like 30 tours booked over the next three weeks. But it's because I did it that day. Yeah. Do it as soon as you can. Make sure they have a way to follow up themselves. Mm -hmm. So either book a tour, book a tasting, book at a virtual call, whatever it is, then an action item as you will. Um, And also keep it short and sweet. Don't make it a long period. It's the end of the day. They are tired. Please don't. Yeah. Make it short, just to the point, and then an action item that they can do. Don't, please don't draw it out. Yeah, don't give them 42 action items. One, book a time, reply. Make it easy. Simple. Mm -hmm. Simple, simple, simple. 
Okay. Yeah. So last up, I really want to make sure we focus on this because like I said, when we started this episode, I think goals and measurables is really key because if you have all these goals, but at no point are you sitting down and measuring them and tracking them, I think it's an epic fail as a business because what is it? A goal without a plan is hope. Something like that. It's a good quote, but it's bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Yes. <laughs> it's bullshit. What's the point of setting a goal if you're not going to track it? <laughs> yeah. So as a company, how do you how do you know that you've achieved the goal? No. No, you don't. And like you want to make sure, again, going in with what your plan is, sometimes it might just be brand awareness. Maybe you're a new company and nobody's ever heard of you. And you're going to do a show just to flex, like, hey, we're here. And that's okay. Your goal might be to to meet and connect with new venues and vendors and planners. And, oh yeah, maybe you get some leads. It's okay. But you get the referrals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you have to track the success. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of things, Vanessa, if somebody was sitting down to build their own spreadsheet of the show and the info, whatever, what do you think they should be tracking? This is a good question. So let's do generalization here. Um, I would say how many booth leads did you get? So how many, at your actual booth, how many leads did you receive? I'm not talking about the lead list sent to you from the show producers. How many leads did you get at your booth that you spoke to, shook hands with, had a conversation with? How many booth leads did you get that day? And if it was Shannon's booth, you have to count all the papers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sorry, you got to sit down and count the papers. Okay, so how many booth leads? And then I do think you should still also, though, track how many show leads. What's the total number that comes through? And now this is really important to look at the spreadsheet because one of our show producers, sometimes they'll send over the list, but if they bought a VIP ticket and regular tickets, they're on there twice. So you've got to actually look Mm -hmm. at the CSV or the Excel spreadsheet they send over and look through to see exactly how many like actual individual um, leads are on there. It's nice though, because if you put a booth, if you put a booth lead column and a show lead column, and you obviously count out how many actual show leads there are, you can also calculate a percentage of how many people you spoke to from the full list. Yeah. So that's really nice. Okay. Another thing I think I got to give them dirty advanced share. You know me. I like dirty advanced. Okay. So if you're doing email, if you're doing email marketing, then you probably have uh-huh. a solid list from all of the shows you've participated in. The of other course. thing that we track from each show when we upload the list to our email marketing platform is how many new are there, like what percentage of new. So let me let me give you numbers. Let's say that show had 500 on the show lead list and I upload it to our database and it was, there's 150 that were not in my database. So it tells mm-hmm. me as somebody, we do about 20 shows a year. So it tells me I can start seeing how much overlap do I have in terms of, do I need to do all the shows or should I limit it down only to certain shows? Which show is bringing in the new people or which time of year is bringing in the newest number of potential people to my list? Yeah, because a lot of these um, potential clients go to multiple shows yep. throughout the year. So that that makes sense. So that's a yeah. column and on if- my spreadsheet, but that's because I do email marketing and I, I don't have to go count one by one when I upload it. It just doesn't duplicate so I can see. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not double dipping. I get it. Yes. All right. Now yeah. let's talk about how much business actually books mm-hmm. from the show. Yes. How much, how much revenue are you taking in because of how much business that you booked? Yes. That's a big one. Because if, if you're not there for brand awareness and you're not there to make new relations with vendors, mm-hmm. 
you're there to make potential money. Yes. So how much did you actually book from the show? Because if you're not, if you're there for bookings and you haven't booked anything, I'm sorry, but maybe that should be on the list of maybe we don't try that show next year. Maybe we try a different one. Yeah. And I think tracking what, how, how many events in terms of number of events separately from how much revenue is really key because you can start to see, well, what's the average piece of business? If I booked 10 events at, you know, $10,000, well, that's a thousand per, you know, on average versus maybe this show over here only booked three events, but we booked 10,000 and they spent. So right. it's a higher, higher dollar sale. So I think that's really you, helpful. You can, you can uh, compare and contrast quality and quantity kind of thing. Yeah. But you got to get down and dirty in terms of tracking your leads from a show, because sometimes there will be people, we have a DJ in our market who she does a decent amount of shows and she tracks like no joke. And they will get leads that come in from an email, click through to a form from a show that was like a year and a half ago. Like you have got oh to goodness. be tracking. So I think we talked about in a previous episode, intake forms on your website, I think if yes. you've got a, how did you hear about us? It's really important there to put what is, you know, put this, but don't just put wedding show, put the specific name of the show or even the month, like January, Florida wedding expo or October, the expo's wedding show, like be more specific of the when so that you can track those leads a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also definitely am, check into the chart. I'm also a fan of maybe doing a checkbox instead of a drop down because you can say, where's all the places you heard of us? Because maybe they saw you on Instagram and they met you at a show and the venue referred them. But if you only give them one choice and one option in a drop down versus checkboxes and check all that apply, um, maybe I was going to say, check all that apply because some of these forms, some of these forms won't let you check more than one. So make sure that it has yeah. multiple options that they can check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you have never done a show before, you have now just been given the damn roadmap. Start to finish. <laughs> Other than booths in episode eight. <laughs> you can circle back yes. around. Yes. Circle back later. Yep. That's a whole episode by itself. Like, yeah. No, we started talking about it in this episode and I was like, oh, damn, we're already probably over on time, but it's too good. It's too <laughs> barely, good. Barely. Barely. We've done pretty good. good. Well, as you know, we like to end every single episode giving you a little bit of swag. Three action items to add to your to-do list this week. Okay, first up, reach out to your local wedding expos to look at next year's dates and booth pricing. If you are just hearing this and like, damn, I really want to do the next show or when's the big show, just get their dates for the next year, not only the next mm -hmm. show so that you can kind of plan budget and look timing wise and what can you block on your calendar. Well, and it gives you enough time to also get staffing and things set up. Mm -hmm. For our second action item, we have a have a follow-up plan, including stock emails that are ready to go. As soon as you're done with that show, have some follow-up plans ready to go. Yeah, whether it's an automated drip email campaign where you're dumping them into a system with some touch points, or you've got three or four emails you're going to send in a row, have that ready to go. And mm -hmm. last up, if we haven't hammered it home enough, is if you are booked <laughs> at your next show, I really want you to start this show with clear goals and the plan to track them. Make yourself a little spreadsheet. How much did you spend? What's everything you bought? Track every penny and make sure that you are finding success. Please. If you feel like this podcast helped your business, got you thinking, or made you laugh, follow, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Stay tuned for our upcoming episode. This month, 
we're talking wedding shows and showcases. Ooh, next up is one of our favorite topics is instead of <laughs> giant expos, it's about intimate venue showcases and open houses. Those are my favorite. Now, go make epic shit happen. See you guys next week. <laughs> Bye.